Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, everybody. Our series that we're in right now is on disappointment, which I wholeheartedly hope is not a disappointment um, to you that way. And I just want to start by asking, how many have ever been disappointed by someone? And by that, I mean, how many, like, really have been disappointed by somebody in your life? Would you just lift the hand real, you know, real quick? Uh-huh, yep. Um, how many have ever been disappointed, as in really disappointed in yourself? Yeah, there we go. Right. How about this? How many here have ever been really, I mean, really disappointed in God? There's a reason that I brought a lightning rod with me today. (laughs) I have this lightning rod for messages like this. Because you start talking about disappointment with God, I mean, like, I'm afraid God might go like, guy, I will give you something to be disappointed in that way. We talk about disappointment with God, I mean, are we talking blasphemy right now? Is this sin? Maybe it's like a sacrilege or just a complete disrespect for God. Another reason I keep a lightning rod with me, it's actually for my friends. You see, I got a lot of friends who say, you know, guy, if I ever come out to church, I'm afraid lightning will strike. Now, you may have friends like that too, and I just want you to know my lightning rod is available to you and to them. You can tell your friend, like, hey, you can come on out, we'll put a lightning rod, like, right beside you where you sit, and you should be okay to be able to come out and to be able to hear something from God. Disappointment. Disappointment occurs when someone does not live up to measure up to the expectation that we had for them. Disappointment, once it occurs, if you don't deal with it properly, it's going to start very quickly a downward spiral that's taking place. Things like trust that you had is going to be pulled back. Relationships They just kind of get put on pause, or maybe even there's some regression that takes place in them. We also experience a negative thinking toward the one that we're disappointed in. All this sound familiar to you? Like, uh, it's not just me, right? This This is all of our lives. And the same thing is true when we feel disappointment with God. We're like pulling back trust. There's this relationship pause that's going on. We start thinking negative thoughts that way. On social media today, um, there is this kind of a movement that's actually taking place. It's called uh, deconstructionism or even deconversion. Maybe you've heard something about that or read something about that. And people who were once um, believers are now saying, well, I'm kind of agnostic or even I'm an atheist. And some people are out there championing these causes. But in almost every one of these cases, the number one reason for a person saying like, you know, I'm just kind of deconstructing my faith. I'm, I'm deconverting as a believer in God. It's because there has been some hurt. There is some suffering. There is some aspect of disappointment that they have experienced. And this is their response to it that way. Now, you're going to see intellectual, you know, kind of reasoning that gets attached to it, but you go right back to the heart 
And that's what we find. So I thought should be very, very important for us if we can get a reference point with regards to this. We want to look at a true story of an individual who was truly experiencing disappointment with God. His name is Job. And actually, we have his biography that's found in the scripture. So if you happen to have a Bible with you, you might want to turn there. It's called the book of Job. Um, if you got that on your phone, you might want to look at that. We'll jump into chapter three in a moment. But for those who aren't as familiar with Job, let me just give you um, a couple of these highlights. Um, Job, if you want to summarize what's taken place is this. Job goes from a place of being very blessed to being very broken in a very short amount of time. Job was somebody who had experienced great wealth in life. He had a good marriage. He had great kids. He had respect in the community. He had physical health. Mentally, he was flourishing. Spiritually, he was flourishing. And then in a matter of days to weeks, we find him bankrupt. He and his wife are not talking. His children have died. His health is broken. The respect he had is gone. Mentally, he's a wreck. Spiritually, he's a mess. In fact, if you want to know from Job's own words how he felt what he was experiencing, Job 3.1, he shares this with us. After this, Job opened his mouth and he cursed the day of his birth. Verse 11, he said, why did I not perish at birth and die as I came forth from the womb? I just wish I were dead. Verse 25, he said, what I feared has come upon me. What I've dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, no rest, only turmoil that is deep sorrow in my life. Well, shortly after this, Job has individuals that know him. They're called his friends. I don't know, I'm sure you want friends like this. But they come and they begin to share with him how his life must have offended God and why God is punishing him for something that he's done in his life. And Job then gets defensive, like most of us would too. Like He gets defensive, and before long, he's looking at God like, you know, this is your fault. It's like, God, I've got some questions for you. God, I want to talk to you. In fact, I demand you answer these questions. I just want you to put that thought away for a second. One of the, the great helps, insights, that we will get with regards to disappointment is this. You might want to write this down. Disappointment is always connected to our expectations. Proverbs 13 says this. Let's read it together. Everybody? Hope deferred makes the heart. Yeah, Hebrews, the Hebrew um, language is telling us this. The, the desires of our heart, the expectations that we have when they go unfulfilled results in either a depression or a, a negative reaction that's going on in our lives. Now, this is true for all of us. Now, remember the, in, the uh, definition of disappointment? Disappointment occurs when someone doesn't live up to the expectations that you have for them. Now, let me ask you, do you know why married people have problems? How, how many are married in here? 
How many, okay, all right. For those of you married in here, you're gonna get a little bit of marriage counseling and I am going to save you tens of thousands of dollars in future marriage counseling just for what you're gonna get in here. And for those of you who aren't married, what I'm gonna give to you right now is going to be a great help. In fact, if you are in high school, this is going to radically change this year of your high school life. So you don't wanna want miss this. Married people have problems because of their expectations for each other. One person is expecting dinner to be served at 5.30, but the meal actually doesn't make it to the table until 5.45. It is a gourmet meal. I mean, it is the perfect environment that this meal is being set in. And what happens is this gourmet meal that's there for you is filled with anger and bickering and disrespect, and in fact, a fight breaks out because of 15 minutes or because of an unfulfilled expectation that you begin to load all sorts of other things into. All married um, individuals have expectations for each other. That being the case, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Here's where the marriage counseling starts. I want you to get a piece of paper and I want you to write down all of the expectations you have for your spouse. I know some of you are thinking like, I'll need a couple pieces of paper, <laughs> right? I mean like, don't, don't you wish you could be reading these pieces of paper, the things that they have down there. Now, once these things are written out, I want you to ask yourself two questions. I want you to go through your list and say, are my or is this expectation realistic? Because some of the expectations that we have are just like crazy, right? Like my 45-year-old spouse, I expect them to look like my 25, what my 25-year-old spouse looked like, right? I mean, like you're like, like, how can you have that expectation, but you're holding on to it that way? The other thing we're going to do with these expectations is this. We're going to ask, are they expressed? Have I ever expressed this expectation? Or is it, I expect you to know what it is that I expect of you without having told you and to do it? Now, as soon as you say that, you're just going like, that is just sheer craziness. And that's why we have as many problems in our marriages as we have today. Because our expectations are unrealistic and they're unexpressed that way. It will change so much for you. Now, get a little closer here. We have expectations for God. Now, some of you are thinking right now, not me. Like, I don't have any expectations for God at all. And I'm just gonna tell you, that's not true. How many of you expect that God is going to come through for you in your time of need? How many have that expected? You just like, I, I would expect that, right? How many are expecting that if you do this, whatever this is, then God is going to do this? We expect God's going to uphold his part of the bargain. We're expecting God's going to do his kind of thing. And if he doesn't, then like we have this disappointment in him. If you've received Jesus as your savior, 
I mean, you have expectations from Jesus. You have some expectations that Jesus is going to bring happiness to you in your life, don't you? You have expectations that Jesus is going to help and answer your prayers. You have expectations of Jesus that he is going to help you with the relationship problems that you have in your life. You have expectations of him that he's going to help you to overcome the temptations and the things that you struggle with. And here's what we think. We think like the expectations that we have for God, for Jesus, I mean, they are reasonable. They're, they're nothing difficult for an all-loving, all-powerful, sovereign God, are they? We're not asking for the moon. We're just asking for these little things from him. And when it doesn't happen, when God doesn't fulfill the expectation that we have for him in the way that we think that he should have, then we get disappointed. In fact, there may be some already that if I were to ask you to choose between is God good or is God sovereign, that is, is he loving or is he in control? Because of what's happened in you, you would choose one or the other, but you wouldn't acknowledge that he's both. Because of the cancer that returned. Because of the bankruptcy that you went through. Because of the desire of your heart that has never come to pass. Because of the divorce and the ugliness and how everything got turned on you. You go, well, I know God loves me. So the fact that these things happen, it must mean that he's really not in control because a loving God wouldn't have let this happen. Or you choose this way. Hey, I know God's in control and this happened in my life and therefore because this happened and God's in control, God really must not be loving. And both of these disappointment fissures are occurring within us. What is it that's happened in your life that would cause you to doubt either God's love or his control? What does this happen to make you feel like Job and have this disappointment with God and not quite sure what to do with it? Well, one of the most important questions, and I hope the reason that we're here today is what do we do when we're experiencing disappointment with God? What do we do when somebody that we know, somebody that we love, is in this place of disappointment with God? How do we help? Is there anything that can be done? And good news is, absolutely. First thing that we wanna make sure that we're doing in times of disappointment with God is that we are showing empathy. That's the starting point. Now this is especially for others. If you have a friend and there's, you know, they're experiencing pain or suffering in their life, you want to go to them and rather than try to fix them, which so many of us have that tendency to do, rather than trying to help them to figure out, well, this is why this is happening this way, you just want to go and you want to be with them. You may just want to sit with them. You may want to cry with them. You just may need to put your hand on their hand. You just may need to show up and shut up. And let that empathy be there. 
Second, we want to make sure that we pray. And the reason I say this is because this is so underutilized. Now, some people are thinking like, why would I pray to a God who's disappointed me? Well, again, as we just open ourselves up to God and come to him with the real feelings that we have, we begin to see God in a completely different light. We pray for others and we watch what God does. Third thing, if you're writing these down, and just remind you, I do have these in the notes that are on the app so you can you know, grab them later and use them, share them with others. But the third thing is, we need to make sure that we examine our expectations. What exactly are you expecting of God? And I also think this, and this is kind of this reality check. I think it's painful, but it's reality, right? We need to um, re-examine what do you expect living in a sin-infected and sin-broken world? Do you expect for one person to sin against another person because that's what sinners do? Do you expect a creation that groans because of sin that's entered into the world? And with natural disasters, it's going to spill out and over human life. We expect disease, and disease is also that runs rampant in the world, pandemic, that it, it can affect us as well. We begin to think about what are the effects of sin and what takes place in our life. All of a sudden, things like selfishness, and suffering, and sickness, and lust, and divorce, and rape, and murder, and abuse of all sorts, and starvation, and poverty. We realize this is what you should expect in a world like this. You go back and look at history. Look at history, especially in areas that there's been no Christian influence and how the effect was there. You look around us in the world today, the wars that are going on, that is kind of what you would expect to be able to take place. Things like school shootings in this environment should almost be something that's expected, never justified, never, we don't, we don't talk lightly about that, but what would we expect somebody that has had a complete disregard for God to do? We celebrate 9-11 or we remember 9-11. We don't celebrate it. And it's like, but that's what we would expect when we take these things into place. Once we have our expectations, again, we, we get them real. Now's the time that we can gain perspective. Because a couple perspectives are going to be so important for us in times of difficulty and suffering that are taking place in our lives, times of disappointment. And the first one is this, that God loves us. And this is the most counterintuitive one when you're in the midst of difficulty and suffering. Because the words out of your mouth are this, if God loved me, then this wouldn't be happening. But God's response is, but this is how I loved you. And Romans 5, 8 says this, I proved my love toward you in that while you were still a sinner, estranged from me, rebelling against me, I sent my son for you. So when we're tempted to say, well, God doesn't love me because, then look right at it and say, but God says, this is how much I love you. And that's perspective. 
Perspective that can come that God is gonna give to us grace that we need in our times of pain in our life. The Apostle Paul, in his prayer to God, said this, God, would you take away this difficulty? Would you take this away, please? And he was tight with God, right? He said, three times I begged God, take it away. But here's what God said. My grace is sufficient for you. You're gonna discover that my strength in your weakness reveals me in your life. God said, I will give you grace for today. Perspective that we can get from God is that he's at work in all things. Romans 8.28 is a powerful truth. And as you look at that, I give you this reminder. Before that you're quick to say, hey, God's at work in all things, in somebody who's in a very, very painful place, remember the timing of giving truth. Because you can give truth for a salve and a medicine, or you can use it like a knife and a hammer. And just be careful in the timing that we share and give this perspective. It's super important, but timing is everything. And here's probably the greatest. When we are in a time of disappointment, I want you to just use these three words. Jesus is risen. Yes, this has happened, but Jesus is risen. Would you say that with me? Jesus is risen. One more time. Jesus is risen. And one more time. Jesus is risen. You see, so many times we live our life like this is all there is to it. That there isn't an eternity in front of us. That there's not going to be a new and a recreation of this world. That God isn't going to make all these things right again. We live almost as if Jesus isn't risen. The most impactful event of all history. The time that Jesus said death isn't the end of everything. And when it looks like God has lost, Jesus has risen. All of a sudden you see, no, God hasn't lost. And God hasn't given up on man and he's not given up on us as well. Jesus is risen. It's a is, is, an, is a perspective that we cannot lose. And one last thing. Make sure that we're processing with others that will bring us back to God. To have a faith-building network, faith-building friends, can make all the difference in the world. Because, and I can tell you this after 40 plus years of ministry, the exact same circumstance the exact same pain point in one person that undercuts their faith, causes them to deconstruct or deconvert, is the exact same event that helps another person to build their faith and get closer to God than they've ever been in their life and become a light for God. How can the same circumstance have two radically different outcomes? And the answer is this, it's who you choose to process it with. If you have nobody to process it with, that downward spiral, it's going to pull you down. But if you don't have people that are going to be able to help you and to think through this and to get perspective that you need that you don't have when you're in the midst of it, then we lose. And that's certainly not what we want. One of the reasons we'll, we'll encourage you over and over and over again to find a group, to be in a group, it's, it's so that you have these relationships in your life 
for when these times come, so that you're there for others when those times come in their life. So let me encourage you, um, this October, as a church, we're, we're trying to get everybody in a four-week group together. Just four weeks, they're online, they're in person, they're in the building, they're all scattered throughout the areas. I mean, would you just, for four weeks, give this a try and see just the difference that it would make in your life? I'm gonna take us back to Job, kind of pull this all together. In the last four chapters of the book of Job, we see God appearing and speaking with Job. Now you remember, remember what Job, remember what Job said? God, I got questions for you. I just wanna, you come down so I can talk to you. This is a be careful what you wish for moment. Because Job 40 verse one, he does. And the Lord said to Job, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. And then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I will put my hand over my mouth. Can you just see Job? I mean, he, if, he, if he could have 15 lightning rods, he would be like right in the middle of him at that point. It's kind of like, I am in such trouble. He goes on, I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, <laughs> I will say no more. And then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm and he said this, brace yourself up like a man because I will question you and you will answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Now you may think that lightning is about to strike Job with these words. But what God is simply doing is going, you know, Job, there's something bigger that's going on than what you know. And I just want you to know that I'm God and you're not. And I haven't given up on you. And through this, God restores Job again. Now, don't hear when something bad happens and you'll always live happily ever after. I mean, someday, right? Not in life. But in this case, God blesses him. And the overarching lesson of Job is this. And this is one that is going to be of value to us now and throughout the rest of our lives. That Job, though he never understood why, he connected with who? Job never understood why these things happened in his life and that he suffered the way that he did. Deuteronomy 29, 29 reminds us of this. God says that the Lord our God has some secrets known to no one, but we're not accountable to him for those. We are accountable for that which he has revealed to us. So God simply says, there's some things that I know that you don't know. You're not God, you're not gonna be able to know this. Job never knew that there was, and if you don't know the book of Job, he never knew that there was a war between Satan and God going on, and literally Job is in the middle of it. He didn't know that. So, here's our insight. Don't mistake what God allows with what God desires. Don't mix those up. Other lesson. God, Job never understood, he never found out why, but he connected to who. Don't mistake 
God's silence with God's absence. Because whereas he was silent for this period with Job, he was never away from him. And these are the words that the risen Jesus has for us. He says, be sure of this. I am with you always. Statement gets strengthened a little bit later. God speaks these words over us and he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In the original language, it's I will never, never, never leave you. I will never, 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 no, never forsake you. I am with you. I mean, at times this message, it may seem like we've been, you know, we got to lower our expectations of God. That's not true. We just got to make sure our expectations are aligned with what God has given to us in his word. And these are going to raise our expectations of God and what he will do for us in our lives. But if you're in a time of disappointment, if you've gone through a time of disappointment, if you know somebody disappointment, I want to take us into a time of prayer. Just to be able to come to God with that. To receive his grace, his help for where we're at right now. Maybe we've talked about Jesus being risen today. Uh, the reason Jesus is risen is because he died. And the reason he died was because he came so that he could become a sin sacrifice for us. The reason he needed to be a sin sacrifice for us is because we have sinned and the wages of sin is death and separation from God and God's like, I will not sit by idly and allow that. And so the gospel takes place. And if you've never trusted Jesus as your savior yet, you today have the opportunity to do that. To come to Jesus and say, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. And I'm gonna ask you for that. So first of all, our prayer is over disappointment. Secondly, if you desire to um, receive Jesus, I'll lead you in that prayer as well. Let's everyone join in this prayer, shall we? God, we acknowledge that we have been disappointed with you because of this in our life. And if that's the case, would you just name that to God? Would you bring that to him right now? Jesus, thank you that you are risen. And thank you that you are with us. God, we ask that you would give us grace today for the difficulty for the confusion, for that which we don't understand that's going on in us or around us, that which breaks our heart, that we shed tears over, over those that we love and seeing what's happening in their life. Please give us grace for this. And we take these disappointments and lift them up to you, the one who cares, the one who loves. And thank you now for this grace you're giving to us. Help us to be those to be able to go forth and to help others with the disappointments they are experiencing. We also wanna ask you, Jesus, for those that are here ready today 
to call out to you and to ask you to be the Lord, the Savior of their life. Giving up on what they're trying to do to make themselves good enough for you, God, and coming to you, Jesus, alone for your forgiveness and, Lord, for your life-changing power. Friend, if that's your prayer, I just want to ask you, would you just lift a hand and simply acknowledgement of today, I'm asking the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. You can wave at me a second. Yeah, God bless you. If you're online, you can acknowledge that that way. Thank you, Jesus, again for this saving grace that's taking place and the transformation that will be there as well. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your name. And everybody in agreement said? If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.